1: craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio
2: discover more shows and movies for free infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
0: A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. As in the second segment. We are going to be joined by Jason Reitowitz, who does a great job. Over there with SBR Sports Sportsbook Review. Also doing some work with OddsChecker US along with the Gameday MLB. Going to be looking at today's slate with him. We're also going to be talking about some of the teams that he thinks might ascend slash decline with their trade acquisitions. Teams that have been able to do a good job of be able to utilize them. So, going to have a great chat there in the second segment. Then in the final segment, I'll be giving you guys a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Friday. And a little something i like to call. Touch them off first things first. Always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You got one or two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Jaron Squirty One. Keep in mind, the letters, yeah, they mean does not matter. So, as per usual, send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you, into there. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a good day of baseball on Thursday. So, let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The Atlanta Braves are above five. For the first time all year, as they wind up taking it to the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of eight to four. But I'll say that the St. Louis Cardinals took it to themselves. They wound up getting a relatively good start in this one, as you wind up having Wade LeBlanc give you six innings. He gives up two runs. Then from there, Genesis Cabrera, he gives you one scoreless inning, and then the wheels fall off from there as Giovanni Gallegos. Goes two-thirds of an inning giving up three runs in the process and he wound up giving up a home run as taking him deep in this one, Austin Riley's 23rd of the season and LeBlanc earlier in the game wound up giving up a home run to Jack Peterson 14th of the season, but that's not where the calamity started. The calamity started when the walks wound up coming in as Alex Reyes was called upon to try to perhaps get a four-out save. Instead, he faces four batters. He walks all four of them. I believe that there was a hit-by-pitch in there as well. And then Justin Miller is continuing to walk men in. The Atlanta Braves wind up having four runs walked in in that eighth inning. They score six runs in total. Andrew Miller along Justin Miller. They wind up putting out the fire in the ninth inning, but the damage had been done for the St. Louis Cardinals. Austin Gisner was able to get his first home run of the season. That comes off of Tukey Tucson for Tucson. He goes five and a third innings, giving up three runs, two of which were earned. He was hurt by a little bit of this and that, but still was able to give the team a relatively solid performance. Richard Rodriguez, Will Smith, they both give you a scoreless inning, and Edgar Santana gives up a run in an inning, but was able to get the win in Jesse Chavez, two-thirds of an inning scoreless. So what a way for the praise to be able to get above 500 for the first time. Oh, you're getting four runs walked in in the eighth inning. The Minnesota Twins were a big underdog that wound up cashing on Thursday. 5-3, 5-3, to three, they take down the Houston Astros from Bervaldez. Not necessarily a terrific start in this one. Six and two-thirds innings, he gives up four runs off, which will earn Yimi Garcia, got the team out of the seventh inning, and Christian Javier is sort of the super reliever for the team at this point. Gives you two innings, gives up one run in the process. A pair of home runs for the Astros, who are a little bit short-handed in this one, as you wind up having Yuli Gurriel out of the fold, and Jordan Alvarez. He was in the fold. He winds up getting his 21st home run of the season. That comes off of Danny Colombe. And Griffith Jacks actually looked halfway decent in this one. He did give up a home run to Jason Castro, though. Third of the season for Mr. Jacks. That's a home run they gave up. Lone run they gave up in five and a third innings killed. Theobar gave you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And then you wind up having Ty Duffy, Ode Alcala. Both give you a scoreless inning. Danny Colombe made things interesting giving up the home run to Jordan Alvarez. Two thirds of an inning gives up two runs. But Alex Colombe was able to come in get the save. So the Houston Astros, a team that is actually very familiar with not being able to win as north of $2 favorites at home, they wind up having another one of those. The Kansas City Royals was a sizable underdog, and they wind up taking down the Chicago White Sox by a count of 3-2. to two. Daniel Lynch actually looked quite solid in this one, giving up one run over the course of five innings, and that one run was a solo run. As Jose Abreu was able to get his 20th home run of the season, and for Dallas Geico, not a bad start here. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings, from there, you wind up having Rinaldo Lopez give up a solo home run. Going for the Royals was Mr. Ed Olivares, his fourth home run of the season. And for the Royals, very good bullpen pitching. Scott Barlow does give up a run in an inning, but Josh Shaymount Greg Holland, Jake Prince all give you a scoreless inning. So the Royals were able to get it done. They are able to get the W. Speaking of being able to get the W, that's exactly what the Angels were able to do to the Texas Rangers by a count of 5-0. To get shut out in a start by Dylan Bundy is just absolutely terrible, as the Rangers are averaging right around 2.3 runs per game since the All-Star break. That is not good, as Bundy, 6th and a 3rd inning scoreless. From their Junior Garrett gives you 1 and a 3rd inning scoreless. Steve Ciszek gives you a scoreless inning, and Rossio Iglesias was able to give you the final out of the game. As for the Angels, you wind up getting an Adam Eaton home run, his 6th home run of the season, as Spencer Howard, Comes over from the Philadelphia Phillies at the trade deadline. Two and a third innings, he gives up three runs. Much like what wound up happening to him in Philadelphia. He cruised for two innings and then in the third inning, sometimes it would be the fourth inning, he just gets lit up. Taylor Earn was hurt by a pair of fielding errors as he winds up giving up 200 runs over the course of his four innings. You wind up having Jarrell Cotton give you two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. And Demarcus Evans was able to give you a pair of outs. But this is a Rangers team that is looking very sad and pathetic. And the Angels have given up a combined four runs in the last three games. The fewest runs that they've given up in a three-game span all season. The Boston Red Sox officially have an issue as I believe that they have now lost six straight games. They wind up getting swept by the Detroit Tigres by a count of 8-1 to one for the Sox Martin Perez. This was not the start he was looking for. Gives up three runs in one and a third innings. From there, Phillips Valdez was able to give you two and two thirds innings scoreless, but Enzo Robles comes out of the bullpen, gives up three runs in an inning. Austin Davis gives up two runs, one of which was earned in one and two thirds innings. The Rios was able to give you four outside the bullpen, but for the Boston Red Sox, they leave 11 men on base. They go one of nine with men in scoring position as Tariq Skubo got into a little bit of danger, but five scoreless innings from him, Kyle Funkhauser and Ian Kroll both give you a scoreless inning. And then you get two innings with one run given up from Irasimo Ramirez. And for the Tigres, one home run this one. Robbie Grossman is 17th home run the season. So the Tigers have all of a sudden been able to do a very good job at home. I believe that they have now won 10 out of their last 12 in the Motor City. The Marlins were able to get it done against the New York Metropolitans by kind count of 4-2. How about what you were able to get from this team? As Braxton Garrett winds up getting the start, goes five scoreless innings. And then from there, David S., he gives up a run in two-thirds and a, an inning out of the bullpen, but you were able to get one and two-thirds scoreless from Paul Campbell. You wind up having Ross Setweiler come in for two outs. He doesn't give up anything, and Anthony Bender gives up an unearned run, but he was able to accrue a save as he was hurt by a pair of fielding errors for the Miami Marlins. They go just 2 of 6 with Ben in scoring position, but the Mets were hurt by just a bevy of things. They wind up having a bad Michael Conforto fielding error, and Juricic Familia, once again, Spanish for blown save again as Rich Hill gives you a good start. Surrendering just one unearned run over the course of five innings. Miguel Castro, Drew Smith, both give you a scoreless inning, and then Mr. Familia gives up three runs in a third of an inning. Yancy Diaz has to come in to get the final two outs, and for the Mets, they stranded 15 men on base. Good grief. That is just something that... Should not wind up happening as they were able to draw 8 walks. They got 8 hits, but they didn't have a lot to show for it. Speaking of not having a lot to show for it, that is exactly what happened to Merrill Kelly and the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Giants come back with a 4 spot in the ninth inning, go to extras, and take down the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of 5-4. The reason why I say Merrill Kelly didn't have much to show for it is that he was tremendous in this one. 8 scoreless innings. They pass it off to the bullpen, Taylor Clark, he comes in, he gives up 3 runs and doesn't get it out. Tyler Clipper gives up a run while he winds up trying to complete that ninth inning. From there, you wind up having Brett get getting out in the 10th inning. Tyler Gilbert starts that 10th inning, he gives up the unearned run, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they go 3 of 14 with men in scoring position, as Alex Wood did not have it on this day. Gives up 4 runs over the course of 4 innings, but then from there, Dominique Leon, Jarlon Garcia, Jose Alvarez, Tyler Rogers, Jake McGee, Jay Jackson... All give you scoreless innings. I, I don't think that they gave up a hit out of the bullpen. It was absolutely incredible. And for the Giants, they go 5 of 13 with men in scoring position. This, by the way, the ninth multi-run lead that was blown by the arrows of the Diamondbacks in the last 60 days. Good grief. The Colorado Rockies, they were able to take down the Chicago Cubbies by a count of 6 of 5. Jake Arrieta continues to be a guy that appears to be just chasing a paycheck and nothing else. Another terrible start. Gives up four runs over the course of four innings, including not one, not two, but three home runs as he winds up allowing one to Trevor Story. His 14th home run of the season. Story would get an additional one for his 15th home run the season. Connor Joe makes the team go. He gets his third home run of the campaign, and then Sam Hillier. Was able to get his 7th home run of the season. The other home run that saw it That would be off of Jake Jewell. Who winds up going and ending. He gives up 2 runs out of the bullpen. From there, you do have Dan Winkler and Adam Morgan combined for two scoreless innings. Kyle Ryan gives you a scoreless inning. And for the Cubs, they do wind up going 4 of 6 with Ben in scoring position. So when they had opportunities, they cashed in. Antonio Sensatella, not a great start here. Four runs give it up over the course of four and two-thirds innings. But Uli seen two scoreless innings. Carlos Decevas, Daniel Barr both give you a scoreless inning. And Tyler Kinley wound up getting the team out of the fifth inning while giving up a run in the process. So the Colorado Rockies... Continue to be actually doing a relatively solid job. This is a bunch that they are now 35-21 and 21 at home and considering how the seasons went going 10-10 and 10 in their last 20 games, actually not too bad. You're getting a lot of plus money on them aside from when they are obviously at home against teams like the Cubs, but by and large, I've been able to give you a little bit of something. The Philadelphia Phillies were able to give you a whole lot of something in Washington as they were able to get a series win and a win on Thursday. 7-6 to a final on this one. Aaron Supernola was not so super in this one. He gives up five runs including home run Over the course of five innings, Josh Bell took him deep for his 19th home run season, but a bullpen that has been very suspect did their job. Aniel de los Santos, Jose Alvarez were both able to give you a scoreless inning. Mauricio Lovero was able to give you one, and Archie Bradley does give up a run, but it was an unearned run. He was hurt by a pair of fielding errors by Ronald Torres along with TD Gregorius, but he was able to get the job done ultimately and for the Philadelphia Phillies. Bryce Harper goes deep for his 18th home run of the season. It was a solo shot, so that's his 16th solo home run of the year. Only two have been with men on base. That comes off of Joe Ross, who Didn't give you a bad start. Six and a third innings. He gives up three runs, but Kyle Finnegan. The victim of four unearned runs in the ninth inning as the Philadelphia Phillies wind up making that rally to be able to get the W. Carter Keboom, a terrible throwing error that just led to a big giant calamity. Ryan Harper winds up giving you a scoreless inning and Mason Thompson gave you a pair of outs out of the bullpen as well. But for the Washington Nationals, that is one that certainly got away for them. This is one that got away from the Seattle Mariners. A home run late by Joey Gallo winds up giving the Yankees a 5-3 win over the M's as Tyler Anderson. Not a bad start in this one. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Anthony Machevich gives you a score inning along with Casey Sadler. But Paul Sewald, who had a very good start to the year he's starting to regress. He winds up giving up Three runs in an inning, including that bomb to Joey Gallows, 26th home run of the campaign. Nestor Cortez still giving the Yankees some pretty solid starts. He winds up giving up two runs over the course of five innings, including home run. Chad Green, he goes for two innings, gives up a solo home run in the process, and then Zach Britton and Roaldus Chapman able to close things out in the eighth and ninth inning. Going deep for the Seattle Mariners in this one, Kyle Seeger is 23rd home run of the campaign, and Jared Kelnick. He's starting to put things together. He was able to get his fifth home run the season. And for the New York Yankees, if you take a look over their last 10 games, it has been a little bit up and down, but they are now 8-2 in that last 10 span. So they have been able to put a little bit of something together themselves. The Blue Jays are also putting something together as the American League East is getting very hot and heavy. 3 to 0. They wind up taking down the Cleveland Indians. For the Indians, Tristan McKenzie, not necessarily the world's worst start, gives up three runs in seven innings to a Blue Jays lineup that is very solid. Also gave up a home run to Bo Bichette. That was his 20th home run the season for us, tripling. He was incredible in this one. Six scoreless innings. Trevor Richards, DeMaza, Adam Simber. All give you a squirrel of settings, so not a lot doing there. And for the Cleveland Indians, you wind up having Brian Shaw give you a squirrel of the setting. But when the Cleveland Indians wind up getting three hits and no runs, it's hard to be able to win any of those games. The Cincinnati Reds, they were on to Cincinnati and they were on to getting a 7 4 win at home. Nick Cassianos is back in the fold, and you can tell that he's going to be able to be a little bit of a difference maker for the team, though. It was a pair of other guys that have north of 20 home runs this year that were able to supply the boom. Eugenio Suarez, enjoy will both go deep for their 22nd home run of the season off of William Crow, and Mr. Crow gives up a leadoff home run to Jonathan India. His 12th home run of the season for Crow. He winds up giving up 7 runs, 3 of which were earned, including 3 bombs. He had actually been looking relatively solid coming into the start. Prior to this, he had given up 2 runs or fewer in 3 out of his last 4. That was not an ERA booster for him from there. Dwayne Underwood Jr., 2 scoreless innings. Anthony Banda, fresh from the New York Metropolitans lowers the CRA to a 6.48 with a scoreless inning, and Nick Mears was able to give you a scoreless inning as well as for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They were able to get a little bit of something off of Sonny Gray, who winds up giving up four runs over the course of five innings, but Jeff Hoffman gives you two scoreless out of the bullpen. Justin Wilson, along with Michael Gibbons, both give you a scoreless inning as well. So the Redlegs were able to get things done, and speaking of being able to get things done, that is exactly what we are looking to do to be able to help things out with your bank account. Obviously, we've seen some big underdogs wind up cashing over last, I would say, 10 days. If you want to be a little bit more micro with it the last 7 days, but if you take a look at betting trends in Major League Baseball over the last 7 days, we have noticed that home teams, not necessarily doing some greats, 47 and 45 with favorites in that time span. Overall, going 54 and 37, it's just that a lot of big favorites have wound up going down. Overs and unders have been very equal this last week. 44 overs and 43 unders, so can't get much more split than that. If you're looking over the last 30 days, home teams winning at about a 53.3% clip, 185 and 162. Favorites in that time span hitting at a 57% rate 196 and 148 that's actually down from what we've seen so far this year as favorites for the season right around 58.6% Nine forty-two and six sixty-five, and if you're looking over the last 30 days, overs and unders are relatively in locks up. We've seen a couple more unders, one hundred sixty-six unders, one hundred sixty-one overs, and if you're looking overall for this season, overs still have a slight lead over unders at seven seventy-eight and seven seventy-one. So that's what we all saw in Major League Baseball on Thursday, and that's what we're all seeing overall. Coming up next, let's turn the page forward to Friday. Let's take a look at this baseball betting card with our good friend Jason Rideouts of SBR, aka Sportsbook Review, right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
2: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline.
0: We're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a great pleasure to be joined by our guest as Jason Reitowitz does a great job doing handicapping for a wide variety of different platforms. SBR Sports Picks is where he does a show Monday through Friday. You're able to catch that during the afternoons. He also does some work with the game day MLB and Odds Checker US as well. He is getting geared up for football as well. So for all of you fans of the Pink Skin, don't worry. Mr. Jason Radowitz, have you covered there. And to be able to follow Jason on Twitter, it is easy enough. At Jason underscore Radowitz. I say misspelled R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. And Jason, it is always a pleasure to get you aboard. Thank you.
1: Of course, I appreciate you having me already August and already seeing that we've got some preseason football on the horizon here a lot of sports coming but nothing better than the baseball in August and September and then of course into the playoffs
0: I'm right there with you we did wind up seeing the Hall of Fame game get played I really don't get geared up until we see the games after the Hall of Fame game because those are a bonus game everything like that but regardless Training camps are getting going. College football week zero, which I still think that that's a bit of a lame name. But with that said, it is regular season college football. That is going to be here before you know it. And before you know it, we're going to have the MLB postseason. And when you take a look at some of these teams that are ascending slash declining since we're about a week clear of the all-star break, is there a team or two that really stands out to you? Because I take a look at that entire American League East race, and I think that you do have four teams out there that are going to be relatively competitive. I'm still not necessarily buying into the Yankees. There's just a little bit of shakiness there and let's face it, it just feels like Murphy's law has been hitting this team all year long, but the Blue Jays have looked very impressive recently, especially with their high-powered offense. You've obviously got a Rays team that they always do the little things well, and the Boston Red Sox seem to be regressing a bit.
1: Like you said, the Red Sox, they are regressing and you know the Yankees, you know, despite what people might think of them, you know, throughout the entire season, they still got a pretty solid record. They made some pretty interesting moves by the deadline. You know, they could have sat around and just said, all right, we'll be back next year, but they're going for it. And they have a record that is, you know, near 10 games, over 500, and they're playing much better baseball. Of course, they got the Marlins and the Orioles. So I mean, that helps. But they did get Rizzo. He's been really, really good. Gallo, not so much. You know, their starters haven't been great either, you know, but. At the end of the day, they did make moves and they are training in the right direction. The only thing is they've been hit with COVID. A lot of their players come down with COVID. I thought Gary Sanchez just got COVID. So it's not ending anytime soon for the Yankees and that could affect them. But I still think the Yankees have a chance making the playoffs in the American League.
0: Yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see how that winds up wrapping up. Because as of right now, when you take a look at the National League, it seems like you're going to get three teams out of the NL West into the postseason. We could wind up seeing that in the American League as well, though. That, obviously, a little bit of subject to change because you've got the Oakland A's who are doing a good job of fighting for a postseason spot. I don't think that these Seattle Mariners, who are currently playing the New York Yankees, are going to be able to make that push to be able to make the postseason, especially when you got guys like the gentleman that is going to be in the mount on Friday going, as it is going to be Marco Gonzalez for them. We have no earthly idea who's going to be going for the New York Yankees. On Friday at this point it is to be determined and literally they could go about one of 37 ways but I do think that it's going to be interesting to watch a Seattle Mariners team throughout the season because I've been one of those people that has been thinking that regression was going to be coming and coming and coming for the Seattle Mariners, just given the record and their run differential disparity but it has yet to but I fear that this current road trip that could be the beginning of the end for them.
1: Going back to that game between the Mariners and the Yankees, the Yankees, they've hit lefties really well in the last 30 days and really just the entire season. They've got a lineup that does really well against lefties. And so, you know, at the time of recording this, we're not sure what they just did last night, but they've hit lefties really well. And so I I would think that that would continue going to this game. Of course, we have no idea who the Mariners are going to be hitting against at the time of recording this. But, you know, the Mariners, their offense has been sneaky good at times so we'll have to see what happens but there's a lot of different pitchers on different teams that are pitching now uh, thanks to the deadline so a lot of things to start getting used to now coming into the long stretch here
0: and the good news for the seattle mariners abraham toro who's a part of that Kendall Grayman deal he's been doing a good job for the team and they just got jake fraley off the injured list so that gives them a little bit more pop in the lineup as we do have our good buddy jason reidowitz of sbr sportsbook review joining me on the podcast and I would consider this to be the marquee game. It's a little bit under the radar, but you take a look at the San Francisco Giants versus Milwaukee Brewers matchup. I think that you've got an excellent one here. Logan Webb is going to be going for the San Francisco Giants. Corbin Burns, who I always think that his name should be said in an old English accent for some reason, is going to be going for the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns has allowed one home run at home so far this year. I can't remember ever seeing anything quite that ridiculous going into the month of August. I mean, those are Bob Gibson-like numbers, and then you take a look at Logan Webb. He has given up three home runs in his last 39 innings pitch. In his last eight starts, the San Francisco Giants are 8-0. He has given up two runs or fewer in every one of them. I think that this is going to be an absolutely tremendous pitching matchup. We currently don't have any numbers, but I would expect a low total, and if they're giving me anything more than, say, a seven, I'm going to be looking at an under.
1: Yeah, you know, this is a great pitching matchup, and and, you know, you're going with two teams that added some bats into their lineup. You have Chris Bryant going for the Giants and the Brewers by Eduardo Escobar. And, of course, William Damas earlier on in the season. So some new players now on both the lineups. But like you said, Webb and Burns have been fantastic all season long. They've been consistently good. And if you can hold off on the home running ball, both these pitchers have done well with uh getting runners on base and getting out of jam. so i really like the under in this game it's gonna be a fun one it's a big one for the national league
0: it certainly is going to be a big one and this is a big one for the national league East. a relative pick game between the metropolitans and the philadelphia phillies kyle gibson the guy that the philadelphia phillies wanted picking up at the deadline he's going to be going in this one if you notice his numbers away from arlington weren't necessarily the world's best but at the same time it is an upgrade compared to what the Philadelphia Phillies have been trotting out there. We saw Spencer Howard in his debut for the Rangers yesterday. Boy, did that, that not go well. He, once again, was unable to get out of the third inning. And then you take a look on the other side. Marcus Roman for the Mets has seen a little bit of regression, but by and large, he has been relatively consistent for this team. Deserves much better than a 7-10 record, considering he's got a 280 ERA. Home runs per nine innings right around point eight. He's only giving up a little bit over two walks per nine innings. I think you've got a good matchup here. Seeing a total of eight and a half to the over end, what is really appealing to me is taking this one under because I do recognize that Gibson is probably in for a little bit of regression, but neither of these offenses are necessarily getting me riled up that they're going to be able to go off, and I do like both of these pitchers.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. As an X-Fan, it pains me to talk about this, but their offense has been absolutely awful. The thing is, they're getting guys on base, but they're not scoring with in scoring position, and that's been a problem for them all season long. So, they have a great lineup, and the lineup will produce and will get on base, but what it matters the most, they fold and they don't score, and it kills me. But yeah, this is a great series, and it's going to be lots of fun. Showman and Gibson, both with ERAs under three. So Gibson, I mean, you're a guy with a 7-3 and record. You're coming from Texas. I mean, that's really impressive, giving the Rangers a chance to win every single night when you're out there with how bad the Rangers have performed throughout the year. I mean, that's just outstanding to have just three decisions that went losses as a Texas Ranger. Lots of credit to him for sticking up and doing what he did with Texas. And Showman, he's been consistent. He's been really good. And he usually comes up in big spots for the Mets. And after losing three or four games in their last meeting against the Marlins, yeah, they have to step it up and win some games. So. It's a big, big series for both teams if they want to win the NL East. And I think both pitchers end up showing up.
0: So glad that you mentioned the Rangers as we have Jason Radowitz of SBRK Sportsbook Review joining me on the podcast because with the Rangers, you've got Mike Fulton-Avich who is going to be going for them on Friday. A good grief. He right now leads the major leagues in home runs surrendered. And quite frankly, it's not close with 31 home runs, giving up 111 innings. That's some pretty impressive work. And for the Texas Rangers, they wound up scoring as many runs as the two of us off of Dylan Bundy yesterday. we give given up at least two runs in every one of his starts for the season prior to yesterday. So it's a good old something's got to give scenario in Texas Rangers versus the Oakland A's on Friday. I'm seeing a total of eight. The Oakland A's are a massive favorite. I will tell you right now, I am not taking a look at the Texas Rangers. But with that eight total, at this point, you've got to think that if you're going to be taking it over, you've got to be banking on the Oakland A's scoring At minimum six runs, if not seven, because you take a look at the Rangers since the All-Star break, they're scoring fewer than two and a half runs per game. I didn't know it was possible to get shut out in a start that was made by Dylan Bundy, but somehow, someway, they were able to do so. No less at home yesterday, so I take a look at this matchup, and it's really How badly do you think Oakland is going to be able to hit Mike Fulton-Avich is going to be your handicap?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Fulton, obviously,
0: he has awful numbers all season long.
1: But he's already faced Oakland three times this season, two at home and one on the road. He went six innings in his first one, allowed two earned runs. Then in his next game, he went seven innings, allowed two earned runs. And then in his third game, he went six in the third inning allowed just three runs on five hits with six strikeouts and no walks. He's actually walked Oakland just one time in all three starts and actually has five or more strikeouts in all of the starts. And also, again, he's went six or more innings against Oakland in every single start this year. So for whatever reason, Oakland does not see Fulton Averick very well. And it's really weird. So for me, this is a game I'm going to be staying away from because like you said, obviously, Oakland should be able to do plenty of damage offensively, but they haven't scored more than four runs in any of those starts outside of the last one because that game went to extra innings and that's why they were able to score more than four runs against the Rangers in that game. So really weird stuff but for whatever reason Oakland not hitting faulty like they should be.
0: Yeah it has been really fascinating to watch Oakland have their struggles in general with Mike Fultonavich and from time to time just with the Rangers in general have really proven to be the worst team in the American League so far this year. It's been surprising because you thought that that moniker would go to the Baltimore Orioles but at the very least it seems like the Orioles from time to time could give you a little bit of something on offense Rangers are giving you just jack squad on offense it has been really mm-hmm. bad ever since they bought up trading away Joey Gallo to watch them try to perform but Jason you do a great job of being able to perform on the betting board we've got a full day of games for Friday Is there anything that we haven't talked about that's really going to be catching your eye, whether it be from just a sit down and watch casually perspective or something that you might be targeting for a bet?
1: There's nothing on the board just yet. And I thought when you brought up that you like this marquee matchup, I thought it would be the Rangers athletics with Mike Bolton, which he's two and 10, and Chris said, 11 Mm -hmm. and three. So that's just the marquee matchup of the day between both of those two pitchers. One's extremely good and one's really Mm -hmm. awful. So I just Mm -hmm. thought that was funny, but Outside that, there's a lot of lefties on the mound. I don't think anybody really would have, you know, thought that could happen, especially this late into the year. You've got Marco Gonzalez, Yarbrough, Means, and then also you'll have Kyle Muller, Wade Miley, Mike Miner, Patrick Sandoval, who's been a lot better as of late. David Price will take the mound. Caleb Smith or Ryan Weathers. So really, a lot of left-handed pitchers. On the slate. You gotta find those lineups that do really well against lefties and there's plenty of them out there. We'll check have to do the research and
0: figure it out. Three games right now involve lefty lefty matchups. The battle of LA between the Angels and the Dodgers, as you mentioned, Rays versus the Orioles and John Means being plus one thirty might be a little sneaky there. And then you got the Arizona Diamondbacks and the San Diego Padres with Caleb Smith and Ryan Weathers. So we're certainly gonna be watching that and all year long, we've been doing a great job of watching how you've been doing, Jason, and things have been going really well for you. You do a great job with a wide variety of different platforms, including SPR a.k.a. Sportsbook Review, as you do a show for them Monday through Friday. I know that you're getting set for the football season. Once we get into the college basketball season in November, I know that you'll be there every step of the way with that as well. So let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media, just all that you've got going on in general.
1: Yeah, you can follow me at Jason underscore Radowitz. That's R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z on Twitter. I give out all my plays there. All my articles are shared there. And of course, the links to all of those shows that I mentioned as well, you can find them on the Twitter page. With the baseball season, I struggled a little bit earlier. I had a good month in April, struggled in May. Early June, I struggled as well. I changed things up. I went just strictly with the overs. The first half overs, full game overs, team total overs, or first five Total overs, I switched it all up and I said, I'm just going to find this one thing. I'm going to get really good at it. Since then, I'm 29 and 12. That's, I think, over 70% of my bets they've hit. You know, obviously, most being around that minus 110 to minus 160 range. So nothing really, you know, huge plus money. But the thing I'm getting at is if you're struggling early, find, you know, where you're messing up and, you know, tally everything, figure it all out. Don't get down yourself. Don't panic. Just keep pushing the right buttons. And for me personally, I went with just one bet every single day, and that's how I've been able to profit. Of course, Craig goes the route of taking every game, profiting that way. So everyone has their own strategies, different things that they see. Find what you're really good at and get on with that and really kind of work at it, study at it, and then things will kind of go your way. That's what I've been seeing as of late.
0: Absolutely. There's so many different ways to be able to get the job done in sports betting just because a person has success doing one or two specific things doesn't mean that you have to go that route and if the and at the same time if you're finding success doing something that has been by and large tried and true for you someone tells you hey that's not the way that I do it don't let that person tell you otherwise just find your own rhythm Jason has certainly done that he has been doing a terrific job recently as you just heard he does a great job whenever he joins this podcast as well. And he is getting geared up for a wide variety of sports as well. So, always great to get Jason Rydowitz on the podcast. Big thanks to him. Now, it is that time, the podcast coming up next. I give you sign total on every game on the betting board for this Friday. And a little something you like to call punch them all.
2: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
0: We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to be joined by Jason Radwitz. Does a great job day in and day out looking at the MLB betting board for SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review, Odds Checker, the Game Day MLB, list goes on and on, so Always great to be able to have a chat like that. Now it is that time the podcast to give you sign total on every game on the Friday. MLB betting board and a little something like to call, touch them all.
2: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a sign and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
0: Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenSquarty1. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where... We go with the National League games first, then the American League, and then any Interleague games are going to be at the bottom, so that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. And as per usual, if changes are made along with the Twitter timeline, they will be made to the spreadsheet as well. So we are going to be diving in with that first National League game, 951-952 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to be playing us the New York Metropolitans. Marcus Roman going for the Mets. Kyle Gibson is going to be on the bump for the Phillies. Phillies are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 113 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Metropolitans, you're finding them as bad as a minus 110 and as good as a plus 104 with your Torrance game 8.5. Over is minus 120, and the under is even on 8.5 on the 9. We're seeing a straight one out there. Under is minus 125, and a plus 105 on the over And This is a situation which I'm going to be taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies wound up setting them as more like a minus 125-ish favorite with Kyle Gibson. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression with him because you take a look at what he was doing while he was at Arlington with the Texas Rangers. He had some very demonstrative home and road splits. At home, he had a 177 ERA when he was pitching in Arlington. 10 in his five shirts. Away from Arlington so far this year. It's been a 382 ERA, but still has been able to keep the home runs down. Overall, nine home runs given up in north of 119 innings so far this year. So, it's done a solid job there. Opponents overall, getting a 223 off of them, and he's facing off against a Mets team that, well, we saw them have their difficulties against the Marlins. Now, obviously, Miami is a very pitcher friendly ballpark, but you take a look at this lineup, not necessarily overly impressive. Javi Baez, James McCann, Thomas Nito, Pete Alonso, Dom Smith, all guys hitting between I would say about a 242 and a 260 both Baez and Alonso have been able to do a good job with their power with Alonso, 24 home run so far this year and then you've got Javi Baez who's been able to go D 24 times himself obviously most of those being with the Cubs and JD Davis hitting above a 3 with Brandon Drury is nice but certainly has been very inconsistent a lot of guys not coming up with timely It's Jeff McNeil being in and out of the fold, that has hurt them. And with the Mets, you can tell that the bullpen is starting to wear down a little bit. Jurisic Familia has not been very good recently. I figured there would be a regression. Aaron Loop, I don't know if there's any way he can continue his buck 25 ERA. Seth Lugo has been a little bit tough so far this year because he wanted to be getting the year on the injured list, so it's been a little bit of an issue. Miguel Castro has seen a little bit of regression in for the Philadelphia Phillies. This is a team that they just pitched vastly different home the road. You take a look at this Phillies team on the road. 25-32 is their record. At home, 31-21 and 21. and now they're just a half a game out of first place. So if they win this game, they're actually now in first, which I find to be very wild. You take a look at this Phillies bunch, they did wind up having to use up a couple guys yesterday, including Archie Bradley, but Hector Neris is a guy that I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in but at the same time has been able to get the job done from time to time, Jose Alvarado wound up getting used up yesterday, but for the Philadelphia Phillies, you do have some guys that are doing a good job with their power as well. You've got Bryce Harper, who's now been able to give the team 18 home runs so far this year. Now 16 of them have been solo shots, but he's been able to go deep. You've got JT Yamito, who's able to give you right around a 275 batting average with Harper, 417 on base north a 300 batting average, and the real surprise for this team, Travis Janikowski. I about a 285 that has been rock solid reset. Hoskins along with Andrew McCutcheon. With McCutcheon being out, that's a little bit tough. But both of these guys, 20-plus home runs. Hoskins right around a 245 batting average with a 330 ish on base. But I think that that'll be enough to get this Phillies team to victory because they have been better at home. And then you take a look at Strowman. He's actually been better on the road than he has been at home. 3-6 record with a 3.09 ERA in New York on the road. 257 ERA 4 4 record. He has given up a few more home runs when he's been on the road. He's given up about a home run per nine innings, four home runs per 55 and a third innings whenever he's been at home, but only a 220 opponent's batting average. So I do think that this is gonna be a lower scoring game. Set this total at 7.6. So we're gonna be diving under and wind up saying the Phillies as a minus 127 favorite. 953, 954 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates that they road to face off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati and Wade Miley is gonna be open to have a party out there as he's gonna be going for the red legs. JT Brubaker is gonna be on the bump for the Buckos. Drawing this game is nine over and under anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. If you're taking a look at the Reds, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a minus 204 and a minus 225. Meanwhile, plus price here with the Pirates is anywhere between plus 187 and plus 195. And I'm seeing a plus 185 out there as well. And with Drew Baker, he has been one of the least profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues. But I think that this is a little bit too extreme with Drew Baker. The big thing with him has been the deep ball. He has given up right around 1.9 home runs per nine innings. That is not necessarily what you are looking for on the road that balloons a little bit. 1-6 record away from Pittsburgh, 526 ERA, 13 home runs, give it up in 53 innings, and as we know, the city of Cincinnati, they are not kind to guys that are a little bit more fly ball pitchers. Meanwhile, you take a look at Wade Miley, and he's really been able to do a good job so far this year. Is Babbitt betting average on balls in play. He's been a little bit lucky, though. He's given up four home runs at 52 and two-thirds innings when he has been out there in Cincinnati. You take a look at him on to road. He has relatively the same ERA. 291 home ERA, 293 road ERA. Opponents are hitting at 266 off of him whenever he's in Cincinnati. And this is a Pittsburgh Pirates team that, let's face it, the offense has not been able to get going much recently. That has not been great. You wind up having having. having Adam Frazier get traded away at the Ted line, but you do have Hoy Park, Who's actually come in. He's hitting well above a 275 for this team. Gaka Brian is only hitting now at 240. We've seen a little bit of regression with John Nagowski. He's hitting closer to a 250, which is more of his watermark. Wilmer Defoe has been able to give you a little bit of something. Jacob Sellings is back in the fold, hitting at 240. And Ben Gamble, whenever he's been out there, has been able to give you a little bit of something along with Brian Reynolds, who is hitting above a 300. Now with Reynolds, really the only guy with north of 11 home runs so far this year, 18 of them. The other guy is Gregory Polanco, who's only hitting a 210. And for the Reds, this is a team that they wind up getting back a big addition yesterday. As Mr. Nick Cassianos is in the fold. He has been able to give the team 18 home runs so far this year. Hitting a 330. Wound up being out for about 15 or so games. So being able to get him back, that is big. Jesse Winker, a 385 on base along with Mr. Cassianos. He's hitting above a 300. He has been able to give the team north of 20 home runs. Along Joey Votto and Eugenio Suarez. Both of these guys went deep for their 22nd home run of the season. Yesterday with Votto, he's hitting a 275 with a 370 on base really since the all break he has been lights out and then you take a look at Suarez only hitting a buck 80 but you know what those home runs will come up big for you Kyle Farmer sitting at 265 for this team you've had Tucker Barnard along with Stevenson at the catcher spot two good things for this team Jonathan India has a 400 on base but there is a liability with the Reds. That would be the bullpen. It is in the bottom 8 when it comes to ERA. Amir Garrett has north of a 6-5 ERA. Michael Givens and Luis Sessa should be able to fortify this a little bit, but Brad Brock is someone with right around a 5-ish ERA. He has been far from terrific so far this year. Heath Embry, someone that I don't have a lot of faith in. And though the Pirates did wind up trading away Richard Rodriguez and Kyle Crick is on the injured list. David Bernard has actually been able to give you some good innings. Chris Ryan, Jason Treve, they've been relatively okay for the team. And for JT Brubaker, he is someone that as long as he's able to limit the deep ball is only giving up right around 2.2 walks per nine innings, nine strikeouts per nine, and I think that he'll be able to find a little bit of something Wade Miley has been solid so far this year, but I think that this is a little bit too rich on them. I was willing to take the Pirates anything north of a plus 180, so we're going to be tagging the Buccos in this spot. this sold 9.2 as well, so we're going to be going over along with the Buccos. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing against the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty Wap is going to be going for the Nets. Kyle Muller is going to be going for the Braves. Currently, no numbers up on this game. A little bit curious as to why this has been a known pitching matchup for quite a while, but you know who does have numbers? Me, and I wound up saying the Braves as a minus 159 favorite in this spot. I set this all at 9.6, so a 9.5 or lore. Going to be taking a look at the over 10 or higher. I'm going to be taking a look at the under with Fetty. He has been issuing about a 5-ish ERA so far this year. Home runs have been a little bit of a bugaboo for him, right around 1.5 home runs. Per nine innings but you take a look at what he's been able to do overall whenever he's been on the road it's been much like all year long inconsistent 5.09 ERA, 8 starts, he has given up 7 home runs in 40 and 2 thirds innings, opponents are about at 2.59 off of him, so it's not necessarily been terrific. And then you take a look at Muller, small sample size with him at the big league level. He has made 6 starts and a long relief appearance, but recently he has been terrific. He has given up 1 run or fewer in 4 out of his last 5 starts, so he has been able to get it going there. Now, I will say, he has went north of 5 innings in just 1 of them, so that is a little bit of a bugaboo on him. He's given up at least 2 walks in each out of his last 5 starts. He's given up overall right around 4.6 walks per 9 innings, but only one home run surrendered as well. I like what I'm seeing there with the Atlanta Braves. This is a bunch in which they've got a very high-powered offense. One of the best with regards to home runs per game at right around 1.4. Dansby Swanson has been able to give you north of 20 bombs so far this year. Freddie Freeman, he has been doing a little bit of everything. You take a look at what he wound up doing in the month of July. hit a 3.75, and he's still above a 300 here in August, so that has been terrific. Now, Ode Soler, I don't know if I necessarily see it with him. 15 home runs so far this year, a lot of those have come lately, but hitting at the Mendoza line of 200, I think that that's going to weigh in a little bit. And Duvall has been able to give you 23 home runs so far this year. Jock Peterson hitting about at 250. And Ozzy Albies has seen a little bit of sinkage when it comes to his batting average in the month of July. Hit right around at 260 here in the month of August, off to a little bit of a slow start. And he only had two home runs in the month of July. So that's a little bit of an issue, but. What else is an issue is the Washington Nationals in general trading away nearly everyone. Juan Soto, he's been able to do a great job for this team. He has been able to supply right around 18, 19 home runs along with Josh Bell. With Bell, he's hitting right around 250 Soto, hitting at 300 with a 427 on base. I'll see these Escobar's actually been surprising for this team, hitting at 260. And then you've got Trace Barrera, who's hitting at 250. I think that we're gonna see regression there. You've got Carter Keyboom and Yadiel Hernandez, two guys in small sample size, hitting right around 300 as well, but Victor Robles sitting below the Mendoza line of 200. You've got a Washington National team that they to be using up their two most trustworthy relievers yesterday for north of 20 pitches and Kyle Finnegan along with Ryan Harper. Mason Thompson is someone that I like. He wound up coming out of the pen, which means that you're going to be relying upon guys like Wander, I swear this guy sucks if he didn't wind up getting demoted. That's how bad it's been for him at this point. Javi Guerra just wound up coming off the injured list. Sam Clay is someone with an ERA that is right around a 5'8". So you don't necessarily have a lot of options there. That is why I do think that we're going to be getting a little bit of a higher scoring game. Like I said, 9.5 or lower are going to be taking a look at the over 10 or I are going to be taking a look at the under. And I want to sing the Atlanta Braves right around a minus 159 favorite. 957, 958 on the betting board is my New York Post play of the day? The San Francisco Giants are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. One Colbin Burns is going to be going for the Brew Crew. Meanwhile, Logan Webb is going to be on the bump for the San Francisco Giants. As of right now, there are no numbers that are up on this game. I was seeing preliminary totals between 7 and 7.5, and and my play here is the under. Pretty much anything that is north of a 6, I'd be taking a look at the under because these guys have been incredibly dominant. You take a look at Logan Webb. In his last 8 starts, the team is 8-0. I was touching upon this a little bit with our good buddy Jason Radowitz, but he has given up 2 runs or fewer in pretty much every one of those starts. He's done a good job of being able to keep the home run ball down. 6 home runs given up in 73 innings. He wound up coming off the injured list, needed to get a little bit ramped up. Now he's starting to give you those five, six plus innings. And for Corbin Burns, 106 total innings, he's given up one home run. More impressively, he's given up just one home run in north of 60 innings at home so far this year. His walks are microscopic. 20 walks and 106 innings, so on a per-9 inning basis, that's right around a 1.7. His strikeouts per-9 is hovering right around 13. He has been nothing short of amazing, and the Milwaukee Brewers had the best team ERA in the month of July, and if you're looking out there in the National League, they had right around a 2.5 ERA. Nobody else had better than a 3.2, so that tells you just how good the bullpen has been with guys like Devin Williams. Josh Hader has not been seen for quite a while, but you even take a look at guys like Brad Boxberger, Miguel Sanchez. They have been able to give you a little bit of something but for the Giants, this is a top-8 team when it comes to bullpen, ERA as well. They do wind up having to use up a couple guys like a Jake McGee, Jay Jackson, and a company yesterday. But a lot of these guys should be good to go. Tyler Rogers wound up getting used up yesterday, but Aron Sanchez is able to give you a couple innings if needed. Jarlin Garcia has been good for this bunch. And you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. You do have a team that has been able to do a very good job of just being a reach base in general. You've got a lot of guys that are hitting in that fold of, I would say, about a 240. To a 255 ish Lamonte Wade, you're able to throw in there Tommy Lostella, Brandon Belt, who just came off the injured list. That is absolutely massive for them. Wilmer Flores, all in that pocket. You do have Chris Bryant, who's hitting more like a 270 between his time with Chicago, along with the Giants. 19 home runs so far this year, and you're just going to find that with this team. So many guys that have not necessarily a ton of home runs, but a lot of guys are having between 13, 14 home runs, and then you've got a guy like Brandon Crawford hitting a 290. He's been able to give you 18 home runs down to Vincent He's hitting at 280 for this bunch, so up and down, a lot of balance. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, ever since the beginning of the month of June, this is a team that's averaging right around 4.9 runs per game. They add in Eduardo Escobar, someone who's hitting about at 250, 24 home runs so far this year. For him, Colton Wong has really been the table setter. You can tell that this offense comes and goes when he is in/slash off of the injured list, hitting about at 295 for the team. Willie Adamas, ever since he got to Milwaukee, hitting about at 275, double-digit amount of homers for him. They're still dealing with not having Christian Yelich, but they haven't really needed him because he. Is hitting like a 240 with six home runs. Lorenzo Cain along with Tyrone Taylor both hitting between a 240 and 246 out there in the outfield. Both guys with right around a 330-ish on base down the catcher spot. It's been a little bit of a liability for the team. Rowdy Tillis has been able to give them a tad bit of something but I think that you've got two very good bullpens. I think that you've got a starter in Logan Webb that is highly underrated. Corbin Burns has been rolling all year long so the New York Post play today is going to be the under. Like I said, Pretty much anything north of a 6, which if you're getting a 6 in this game, that is just absolutely insane. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And when it comes to the money line in this spot, why not saying the Brewers has a minus 141 favorite, so if the Giants are north of a plus 140-ish, I'd be willing to take a shot on them. If the Brewers are anything south of a minus 140, taking a look at them as well. And once again, New York Post of the day, the under. 959, 960 on the bank board. right Rockies are going to be playing us the Miami Marlins. Sydney Alcantara is going to be going for the fish. Odoman Marquez is going to be going for the Rockies. Rockies will find themselves anywhere between minus 145 and minus 153 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Miami, anywhere between plus 125 and plus 140, 9.5 is your total. Over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. A little bit surprised by this total. I wanted to staying at 10.2 and I thought I was setting a low total personally, so we're going to be taking a look there. You take a look at Sandy Alcantara. He has been able to do a very solid job this year despite the 6-9 record. A 3.12 ERA. He has given up about about 0.8 home runs per nine innings. The walks per nine is suffering right around a 2.7, 2.8 ish, so nothing great, nothing terrible. He has been a little bit tougher on the road, 371 ERA compared to a 2.58 home ERA, and despite that one in four home record, which I think is just absolutely baffling with those numbers, opponents are about a 250 off of him when he's away from Miami. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Marquez, he has been absolutely masterful when he's been at course, 13 starts. 3.29 er, a 6-2 record. Opponents are at a 2-6 of off of them. Four bombs given up in 76 and two-thirds innings. You do take a look at this Miami Marlins team, and no question, they're not necessarily getting a whole lot done with regards to the bat. But you do have a guy in AC here, north of 75 RBI. He has been able to supply for you 19 home runs. You got a couple guys that are able to get on base for you: Brian Anderson, Chaz Chisum, along with Miguel Rojas, owing between a 253 and a 267. You've got Oriel Faruano playing the outfield a couple days ago. He Mangolia Sierra Joe. Panic, Lewis Princeton. These guys are in between, I would say, about a 215 to a 235, so got quite a range there. And when you take a look at this Miami Marlins bullpen, it has been used up quite a bit, but they've actually been highly effective with it. The Miami Marlins are a team that ranks right around 7th slash 8th, depending on the day that you look with regards to bullpen ERA. Now, you did wind up having quite a few guys get traded away at the deadline, but Anthony Bass along with Anthony Bender have been relatively solid bass, more like a 4 ERA. Bender has an ERA that's hovering right around 2, so I've been surprised by that. Dylan Flora has been able to give you some good innings. Heck, even a guy like Zach Pop who wound up having a bad start to the year. He, in the month of July, wound up lowering his ERA to a sub-4, so he's been able to give you some presentable innings. Then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies. This bullpen is a little bit of a mess. They are certainly better when they are out there in the city of Denver, but still Daniel Bard has really been your best guy. He's got right around a 4-2-ish ERA. Carlos Estevez has not necessarily been able to get the job done, especially recently. Robert Stevenson, he is not good. Antonio Santos, that experiment wanted failing. He's back no longer with the roster. Lucas Gilbreth, he has not been terrific for the team. So, the list goes on and on, guys, that you can't necessarily trust in him. For the Colorado Rockies, this is a team that at home, they're hitting right around a 275 as a collective. That's the best home batting average out there in the National League. You've got so many guys like a Remy Otapia, Ryan McMahon, and Connor Joe that are hitting 300 plus whenever they are at home and then on the road they just see a precipitous fall off. Trevor Story has been able to give you most of his power and most of his just overall production whenever he's been at home. At home so far this year, this is a gentleman that has been able to do a relatively solid job of be able to get on base. Meanwhile, on the road, it has not necessarily been going well. From I take a look at someone like Josh Fuentes who at home is hitting right around 300 on the road is hitting right around the Mendoza line. So that is something that comes into play here when it comes to this total. I'm saying it at 10.2 as a result. So I'm going to be taking it over. And when it comes to this money line price, i wound up of saying the Marlins at a plus 130. So being able to get them at plus 140, even a little bit greater in some spots, we're going to be taking that. To go along with this total over, we move on to game number 961 962 on the bagging board. The Arizona Diamondbacks at the road face off against the Slam Diego Padres. Caleb Smith is going to be going for the D backs. Meanwhile, Ryan Weathers is going to be on the bump for the Padres. Padres are finding themselves as significant favorites here, and rightfully so. Anywhere between minus 201 and minus 210. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Snakes, anywhere between plus 175 and plus 185 in F as your total, overs between minus 115 and minus 120, unders anywhere between even and minus 105. The Diamondbacks are going to have a tough time coming back from their loss yesterday. That was just absolutely terrible. 4-0 to o lead going into the ninth inning, and they wind up blowing it. Now you turn to a guy in Caleb Smith that... Well, he hasn't been in good recent form recently. Our good friend for the year has a 504 ERA, but that doesn't tell the full story as he has given up at least five runs and now four out of his last five starts. In the month of July, he wound up making four starts. He had a 961 ERA, and he gave up eight home runs in 19 and two-thirds innings. And then he rolls along in his first start in August, giving up five runs while getting five outs against the LA Dodgers. That's not great. With the and Arizona Diamondbacks, if you saw the game yesterday... Not great on the bullpen. They wanted pitching two innings and they gave up five runs. That is absolutely insane. Guys like Tyler Gilbert have no business being on an MLB roster. Sean Poppin is absolutely terrible. They're relying upon ancient 36-year-old Tyler Clipper to be their most 11 reliever. I mean, Jake Feria was a guy that began the year as a starter. He looks completely lost in the bullpen. And then you take a look at the Padres. I recognize that the bullpen has been used up quite a bit, but you've got Pierce Johnson, Austin Adams doing a great job. Craig Salmon is able to give you some good innings. Matt Stram wound up coming off the injured list. Now for Ryan Weathers, he has not necessarily been able to do the best job in the role of starter and wound up getting destroyed in his last appearance, giving up eight runs over the course of four innings overall this year. He's got right around a 3.65 ERA, surprisingly a 4.89 ERA at home. And at 2.27 on the road, I think that that's just insane. He's given up right in the neighborhood of about 2.2 home runs per nine innings whenever he's been at home, so that has been a little bit of an issue. What is not an issue for the San Diego Padres, though, the fact that they do have some bats in the lineup, despite the fact that they're currently without Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr., Got Tommy Fan with right around a 360 on base. Manny Machado mirrors that. Got quite a few guys. With between, I would say, about a 340 and a 350 on base. Greg Grisham, pro Profar, Eric Cosmer, Jay Cronenworth, all in that fold. And with Mr. Machado, he has been able to go deep 20 times so far this year, or since the beginning of the month of June. He has been one of the better batters out there in all of the big leagues. Victor Caratini seems to be picking it up a little bit as well. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is an offense that is just not very good in general. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Carson Kelly so far this year just came off the end of the list. He's hitting about a 250 and then the Marte Marte of Kitel Marte 360 batting average. If he could just stay healthy, he'd be able to give this team a little bit of something, but then you take a look at some of the guys that wound up getting at bats yesterday. Dalton Barshow, Drew Ellis, Jake Hager. If you're wondering who Jake Hager is, so am I. All these guys are hitting a 201 or lower. Nick Abad is hitting like a 225. Paven Smith has been able to hit a 270, but really you don't have a single guy that's consistently getting at bats for this team with north of 10 home runs. I think that this is just going to be an absolute butt kicking. If you're looking at the run line on this game, I'm finding it anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 110. I was prepared to lay more like a minus 125 ish. So I'm going to be taking that. Also set this on 9.3. So we're going over along with the Padres run line 963, 964 on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles are going to be playing against the Tampa Bay Rays. Right now. Bro is going to be going for the Rays. Sean Means is going to be on the boat for the Baltimore Orioles. 9.5 is your total. Seeing a straight 9 out there as well. On the 9, unders minus 120. The overs even. On the 9.5, unders any routine, minus 115 and minus 120. Overs between, even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Orioles, and we're between plus 130 and plus 140 is your price. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rays, any routine, minus 143 and minus 151 is what you're getting. I was willing to take the Orioles as long as I was getting plus 133 or greater. So seeing that plus 140 at circa, I'm going to take a shot here. With John Means, he has meant business when he has been on the bump for the Baltimore Orioles. He was coming off the injured list and looked a little bit shaky in his first starts coming off the injured list but his last one against the Detroit Tigers fired a gem. Looked like the old John Means giving up one run over the course of six innings. Now, hard contact is something that you have to fear with John Means because he's someone that he's been giving up the home runs. No fans or butts about it. He has given up at least two home runs in five out of his last seven starts. At least one home run in each out of his last seven. So, his home runs per nine rate that is relatively high and he's actually. Actually been significantly worse at home than he has been on the road but I attribute a lot of this to a small sample size five stars 504 ERA, giving up 8 home runs in 25 innings, but if you take a look at some of the opponents that he's been facing at home, the Washington Nationals, before they wound up having their soft, prior to that, you have to go back to the month of June. He was facing off against teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, wound up squaring off with the Oakland A's as well, so it's been a little bit hit or miss there. Meanwhile, you take a look at Ryan Yarbrough. His record is something like a 24-5 and when an opener winds up coming in from. When an opener does not wind up coming in from, it's sub 500. It's one of the most demonstrative splits I've really ever seen, and for He has given up a combined 12 runs in his last three starts. He's always going to give you length, but this is someone that he gives up the deep ball a little bit as well. Right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings. The walks per nine is absolutely insane. He's given up right around 1.7 of them, but if there is one thing that you're able to rely upon with the multiple Orioles, it is the fact that you've actually got a halfway competent offense. Cedric Mullins at 325 batting average. He, along with Ryan Mountcastle, Trey Boom and Cedric all giving you between 18 and 20 home runs so far this year. Ramon Odias has been able to 285 for this team. Got a couple guys like Austin, the Say's kid, Pedro Severino, in between a 230 and a 235. Even a guy like a Mikel Franco has found it a little bit now. You've got guys like DJ Stewart, Austin Wins, Richie Martin, C.V. Wilkerson, who has not been seen in about an eon and a half. All these guys hitting a 200 or lower. Ryan McKenna, you're able to throw in there as well. But take a look at the flip side for the Tampa Bay race. This is a team that they are going to have their swings and misses, and they strike out quite a bit. Now, now adding in there Nelson Cruz, who's been a little bit banged up, that helps them out. He, Brandon Lau, you're able to throw in there. Austin Meadows and Mike Zadino, all giving you at least 20 home runs so far this year. Got quite a few guys whose batting averages don't necessarily line up with their on base. By this I mean G Man Choi and Yandy Diaz hitting between a two fifty and a two sixty. Their on base is more like a three sixty to a three seventy. Randy Orozarena has right around a two seventy batting average. 345 on base. He's been able to get a little bit out recently as well. Joey Wendell sitting about a 275 for this team. Brett Phillips 205 batting average, but a 300 on base for him as well. So, I take a look at that and I think that's fascinating, but with the Tampa Bay race, right now you're facing a team that they're without a lot of their main bullpen pieces as well. Pete Fairbanks is currently on the injured list. Diego Castillo wound up getting traded away to the Seattle Manors. They've been dealing with not having JP Fire Eyes. And you still have out there a guy like an Andrew Kitcher who is very solid, but DJ Johnson, Lewis Head, these are not the normal... Race relievers that you're finding. And for the Baltimore Orioles, no doubt this is not necessarily a great bullpen, but you've got a couple guys here you're able to rely upon. Cole Solzer has been able to give you some good ennings. Sandra Scott is currently on the injured list, but Paul Fry has been able to do a little bit of something. Marcos deplan is someone that they're going to be looking to for some innings. A good young guy who I actually think has a little bit of an upside. So, I take a look at the spot. I do think that there's a little bit of value here with the Orioles, especially with the race no longer using an opener for Ryan Yarbrough. Wound up taking the Baltimore Orioles at that plus 140 price. And with the Currently I've got it set on my line at a 9.1 We're seeing the 9.5 with a little bit of juice on the under But we're going to be riding that under to go along with the Baltimore Orioles 965-966 on the main board The Seattle Mariners hit the road to face off against the New York Yankees Undecided is going to be going for the Yankees, so we don't have a line on this game. Meanwhile, Monaco Gonzalez is going to be going for the Seattle Mariners. For Gonzalez, we were talking about it with Jason Radowitz. He is facing off against a Yankees team that they do a very good job against lefties, and Marco Gonzalez has not been able to do a very good job so far this year. He's given up about two home runs per nine innings. Opponents are getting 273 off of him overall on the road that balloons to 280. I will say for Gonzalez... He's actually given up fewer home runs on the road than he is at home. Doesn't make a lot of sense because Seattle is actually relatively pitcher-friendly and his walks have really ballooned so far this year. He has given up north of three walks per nine innings. Last year, it was more like one walk per nine innings, so you can tell that he just has not been necessarily comfortable all year long. Now, I will say, left-handed batters against Marco Gonzalez are buck eighty-three off of him, so it does help that the Yankees' big acquisitions were lefties, but at the same time, you take a look at it, I do think that we're going to see some runs in this game because the Mariners' have have been able to add a little bit with regards to the lineup. Abraham Toro has been able to give this team a trio of home runs ever since joining from the Houston Astros. He's hitting about a 250 for the year. Mitch Haniger, he's been able to go deep 25 times so far this year. 265 batting average power hasn't been there recently, but you know that's going to come back. J.P. Crawford, Ty France in between a 268 and a 278. That is solid. Louis Torrance is only in a 212 for the year, but in the month of July was hitting more like a 275. Now he, along with Tom Murphy, jerk Elnick, Dylan Moore, Kyle Seager, the list goes on and on, guys. In 220 or lower is not great but with Seager at the very least he has been able to supply 22 home runs so far this year and then you take a look at the New York Yankees a lot of feast or famine with this lineup as well Joey Gallo's not necessarily done a lot for this team. He's actually been okay out there in the field, and he's been able to give the team a couple doubles. But he's got like two home runs since the All Star break. He's got a 372 on base. Aaron Judge right around a 370 on base as well. But you need a little bit more out of him. Labor Torres is stuck on six home runs, sitting at 250 for the team. DJ LeMayu, he's been able to a 270, which has been solid. And Aaron Judge is sitting at 280, 20 plus home runs. He has been there. Anthony Rizzo has already given the team a pair of homers, but you've got Kyle Gashioka currently in for Gary Sanchez. Both of these guys have been terrible so far this year. They're looking. Into Jonathan Davis to be able to give the team a little bit of something out there in the outfield. I would rather have. Just Greg Allen back because he was actually able to give the team something. Rudando Doris, is someone I have no faith in whatsoever. And with the Yankees, this is a bullpen that it's not that great. Alberto Barreo has not been good for the team this year. Zach Brinson's coming off the injured list. He's got a six ERA. Aroldis Chapman seems to be finding it, which is very good. And Chad Green, when he's at full force, he is relatively solid as well. But Blondie Peralta all year long is right around a five-ish ERA. They wind up picking up Joey Rodriguez and Clay Holmes. Those are not the answer for you. And for the Seattle Mariners, even without Kendall Grayman, this has been a relatively solid bullpen. Diego Casio. For the year, other than when he went to Arlington, has been able to do a solid job all season. You've been able to get some very good production out of someone like a Casey Sadler with a sub-2 ERA. Paul Sewell has given you good innings. Joe Smith has been a little bit of a mess, but even Eric Swanson, a sub-2 ERA for him as well. So I take a look at this spot, and I'll probably be setting the Seattle Mariners as a little bit of an underdog. And I do think that this is going to warrant a relatively high total. Depending on who the Yankees wind up having go out there, it's just one of these things at which we have absolutely no idea I mean, I would not be surprised if they wind up going with a bullpen game if it would be a bullpen game. Probably be saying the Yankees have like a minus-130 favorite with a total where I'd be taking the over as long as it's anywhere in single digits, but check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jaren's 41. Just some initial thoughts there. 967, 968 on the main board. The Boston Red Sox hit the road to face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays. Nathan Eovaldi is going to be going for the Boston Red Sox. 9 to 9 and a half is your total. On the 9 and a half under is minus-120 and the over is even. On the 9, over is anywhere between minus-110 and minus-120. The under is anywhere between even a minus-110. If you're looking at the Jays, you're going to be getting them anywhere between a minus Minus 138 and a minus 140. Meanwhile, plus Price with the Sox. anywhere Team plus 120 and plus 129. This is a spot in which I actually made the Boston Red Sox a little bit of a favorite. I think that we've been very quick in anointing Alec Manoa as this sort of ace. 247 ERA, which is relatively solid in his starts, but feels like he does have a little bit of shakiness. He's not giving up a home run in each out of his last four starts. Prior to that, though, in his previous start, he had given up four home runs in a start. So he is someone that can be a little bit all over the place. Overall, has given up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine is right around a three-ish. He's been very lucky on balls in play, as he has given up 30 hits in about 47 and a third innings. Strikeout numbers are very good. He's given you right in the neighborhood about 10 and a half to 11 strikeouts per nine innings. But this opponent's batting average of a buck 74 is not sustainable. Meanwhile, you take a look at Nathan Evaldi. He's probably been a little bit lucky to not give up more home runs as well. Seven bombs given up in. 121 in the third innings. He was at a little bit in his last start against the Rays in which he wound up giving up two home runs. He has given up five plus runs in two out of his last four starts but prior to that he had really been rolling and you take a look at Nathan Eovaldi overall for the year 425 ERA on the road in eight starts. He has given up five home runs so clearly he has not been himself when he's been away from Fenway but his strikeout numbers are relatively solid as well. Now you've got a pair of offenses that I think are going to be able to light it up. You take a look at this Blue Jays team and you've got George Springer now firing all cylinders. That is absolutely tremendous. You've got Bo Bichette who has. Has been able to give you 20 home runs. He's hitting a 290 to Asker Hernandez. Got the day off yesterday, but he's been able to hit a 290 right around 17 home runs for him. Lord score a long throw handle Gritchick. In between a 252 and 265 with Gritchick. He has been able to leave the yard 19 times. Reese McGuire is hitting about a 290. Viagrao Jr. 430 on base. Entered into yesterday the RBI leader in the league with 34 home runs. So he has been absolutely tremendous. And Marcus Immion. How about him hitting a 275 with like 25 home runs? out with the Blue Jays, the bullpen has been sort of cobbled together. you might to picking up Adam Simber a few weeks before the trade deadline. Brad Ann has been a little bit up and down, but these are two guys they're able to rely upon. Tyler Saucedo was looking very good for the team, and then he wound up getting destroyed in the series against the Cleveland Indians. Jordan Romano able to give you a couple good innings along with Ryan Baruki, and then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox. Bullpen has still been relatively solid, even though they've been in the swoon in which they've lost five, six games in a row. You do have quite a few guys I do like. Garrett Woodlock is able to give you multiple innings. Phillips Valdez, since coming off the injured list, has been able to do a relatively solid job as well. I take a look at someone like an Adam Onavino being able to give you good innings of Matt Barnes as well, and then with the Boston Red Sox, you do have an offense that is very powerful. I've really liked what I've seen out of Hunter Renfro, and I can't believe that I'm saying that. He's been able to hit right around 250 along with Christian Vasquez, but with Renfro, in the month of July, he was able to find it a little bit more, especially against the Blue Jays, in which he wound up having a grand slam in their previous series. J.D. Davis hitting about a 285 with a 350 on base. He has been able to go yard 21 times so far this year. You've got Sander Bogarts hitting above a 300. You've been able to get production all year long out of Rafael Devers, 27 home runs, 82 RBI. He's hitting at 285, so a lot of good bats out there with the Boston Red Sox. I just think that Alec Manoa is getting priced a little bit too steeply, a little bit too quickly, and I think that Nathan Eovaldi is going to be able to outduel him in this spot, so I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Boston Red Sox with this total set at a 9.2 as well, so we're going to be going over along with the Sox. 969, 970 on the bagging board. The Cleveland Indians are going to be playing against the Detroit Tigers. Matt Menning is going to be going for the Tigers. Kyle Quantrill is going to be on the bump for the Indians. Indians anywhere between minus 148 and minus 155 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Tigres, anywhere between plus 135 and plus 139 is your price. Nine to nine and a half is your total. On the nine and a half under is between minus 120 and minus 115 overs is anywhere between even a minus 105. If you're looking at the nine, overs between minus 120 and minus 115 unders is anywhere between even a minus 105. Manning has just not been able to find it at the big league level. He was a guy with right around an 8-H ERA at the minors and that is translated. This is someone that is giving up right around 3.11 walks per nine innings. His strikeouts are just not there right now. This is a guy that has been able to provide right around 4.7 strikeouts per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate is right around a 1.3, and then you take a look at Cal Quantrill. He has been giving up right around 3.1-ish walks per nine innings, but in the role of starter, a sub-3 ERA, and in his last four starts, he has given up approximately one run in every one of them, and one of those runs was unearned, so he has been able to really roll there now. I will say walks have been a little bit high over his last four starts. He has given up 10 walks in that time span as well but by and large he is able to do a very solid job at home as well between starts and relief appearances, a 322 ERA has given up six home runs in 44 and two thirds innings, but by and large, he's been able to get the job done. And you take a look at the Cleveland Indians. This is a lineup in which I feel like it's slept upon a little bit. You've got a guy in Framel Reyes who's hitting at 275. He's been able to give you a home run every, I would say, about 11 to 12 at bats. Amid Rosario, along with the Ramirez's, Harold Ramirez, along with Jose Ramirez, both of these guys are able to give you between, I would say, about a 255 to a 270 batting average with Jose Ramirez, right around 23 24 home run so far this year. Now you've got a couple guys that need to pick it up. Ernie Clement, Austin Edges, Yu Chang, Owen Miller all these guys are hitting a 2.15 or lower which has been a little bit rough probably Bradley as well but you do have some guys that are able to do a solid job for you and for the Cleveland Indians this is a good bullpen James Karachuk has been a little bit up and down but you saw Emmanuel Classe, who has given you an ERA that is hovering right around a 2-ish so far this year so he certainly has been able to get it done. Nick Samlin has been an underrated reliever as well. Trevor Steven has not so been terrific but Brian. It's right around a 3-2 ERA. Then you take a look at the flip side and what you're able to get out of the Tigers. This is a bullpen that is a hot mess. A couple guys have been able to succeed in this bullpen. Ian Kroll has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Gregory Soto has given you some good headings along Kyle Funkhouser, but when you rely upon someone like a Buck Farmer or Derek Holland, you know that it's going to go bad. Jose Cicierno, give them a little bit of credit as well, but this is a Detroit Tigers team that they actually have the most runs per game of any team in the American League since the beginning of the month of July. It has been very impressive to see. Miguel Cabrera, all of a sudden, is on the chase for 500 home runs. He's been able to hit a 250 for the team. He has heated up in a big way. He longed Eric Haas, both hitting between a 245 and a 250. And for Haas, he has been able to give the team 18 home runs. Johnson Scope has been able to give you quite a bit of stability as well. 18 home runs has been relatively stagnant as he only wound up having two home runs in the month of July, but the batting average was still right around a 3 so he's still doing a good job of being able to move the line for the team. Robbie Grossman along with Akil Badu. pair of guys with between about a 345 and a 360 on base, and with Grossman, he has been able to go deep 17 times so far this year, so I like what I'm seeing there. This is a Tigers team that I think that they're going to be able to put up some runs, but at the same time, I think that this is just a better Cleveland Indians starter and. In- Cal Quantrill against Mr. Matt Manning. The bullpen is significantly better as well. So, wound up saying the Indians as right around a minus 157 favorite. If you're looking at the run line in this spot, I wound up seeing it anywhere between a plus 120 to a plus 125. I was willing to take this as long as I was getting north of a plus 115. So, I'm going to be taking the Indians on the run line. Wound up saying the total at 9.6 as well. So, we're going to be going over along with that run line. 971, 972 on the banking board. The Minnesota Twins hit the road to face off against the Houston Astros. Zach Granke is going to be going for this throws. Bailey Ober is going to be on the for the Minnesota Twins. Nine to nine and a half is your total. On the nine, overs between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. On the nine and a half, under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even at minus 105. If you're looking at the Astros, find them anywhere between minus 255 and minus 219 favorites. That's quite a range. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Twinkies, anywhere between plus 198 and plus 205 is your price. I certainly do think that we should be seeing the Astros as a sizable favorite. I was willing to take the Twins as long as I was able to get $2. We are seeing $2 on the board, so we're going to be taking a shot here. I do recognize that Bailey Ober hasn't necessarily been too terrific so far this year, but at the same time, he's been able to do an okay job of being able to keep things out in front of him. He is giving up right around two home runs per nine innings, which is really his big bugaboo, but only giving up about 2.7 walks per nine innings. Strikeouts per nine is nine and a half. It has been a little bit up and down, but has been better recently, and then you take a look at Zach Granke. He's giving up the deep ball. He has now given up right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings, and he is not picking good at Houston as he has been on the road. On the road, 267 ERA. Now I will say on the road, he has given up 10 home runs at 64 innings, but at home, he's given up 12 home runs at 66 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are going a 280 off of him when he's in Houston. A 459 ERA. So, the name is great. The results have not been. You take a look at this Astros bullpen, it is not necessarily too terrific still. Yimi Garcia, Kendall Grayman, these guys certainly upgraded, but Brooks Raley is something I don't have a lot of faith in. Blake Taylor, someone with right around a 3-6-ish ERA. Brian Stanek is right around a 3- 3-9 ERA, Rafael Montero has been good since getting to the team, but at the same time I have no faith in Rafael Montero and then with the Minnesota Twins, no question, this is a bunch in which the bullpen is not great, Oriel Alcala has not been able to do great things for the team, John Gant has an ERA, that's right around a 3-4, but a lot of that is because he was getting very lucky at the beginning of the year, Caleb Theobar, he's been up and down as well, but you take a look at this Minnesota Twins lineup, you do have a guy in Ore Palunco who is doing a very good job for this bunch, hitting right around 275, He has been able to go deep 18 times so far this year, Josh Donaldson is back, Right around a 350 ish on base. 15-plus home runs for him. Rob Rebsnider is also back. He's hitting above a three hundred for this team. Williams Estadio has been able to do a solid job of getting on base. You need a little bit more batting average out of a couple of these guys. Brett Rooker hitting below the Mendoza line of two hundred and stuff. You've also had Max coupler and Dalton Simmons, Trevor Lawrence, along with Miguel Sano, along between a two ten to a two thirty. But you take a look at the flip side for the Houston Astros. No question, this is a very fearsome lineup, but they were without a couple of their key pieces yesterday. Jose Altuve is very solid. He's able to give you 25 home runs. He's hitting right around 275, but Jordan Alvarez, he has really been an underrated piece for this team. 20-plus home runs, 280 batting average. Yuli Gurriel wound up being out of the fold yesterday, so that hurts him. Kyle Tucker is a guy that's hitting now at 275. He's been able to go D21 times, no question. That's nice, but you're so without Alex Bregman as well, that is going to hurt this team. They wound up giving Chaz McCormick a start and You take a look at the bottom three. They wound up having Robel Garcia, Jason Castro, and Martin Maldonado in the fold. All these guys hitting below the middle line of 200, so this isn't Nastors team that they are a little bit banged up right now. This is a guy in Bailey Oprah that has been getting a little bit more confidence as well. And Zach Greinke has not necessarily been great at home, so I'm going to take a plus price here on the Minnesota Twins. I also wind up saying this total at nine point six as I think that both of these offenses are going to be able to get it going. So taking the over along with the Twinkies nine seventy three nine seventy four on the Bang board. The Walker Texas Rangers sit the road to face off against the Oakland A's. Chris Bassett has a hook line and sinker on this one for the A's. Meanwhile, Mike Fultonovich is going to be going for the Rangers. Today's game is eight over and under are at minus. 110. If you're looking at the A's, finding them anywhere between minus 235 and minus 257. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Rangers. Anywhere between plus 220 and plus 230. This is not even enough for me to take the Rangers. I set them at a plus 256. This is just really a sad organization at this point. They wind up trading away Joey Gallo. And now, you do have Adoliz Garcia, who's been able to give you so far this year, 23 home runs, but you take a look at what he's done the last few months and it's not been great. He's got a total of seven home runs since the beginning of the month of June and 22 RBI, so... Needless to say, the 16 home runs that he wound up getting in the first two months of the year, that was a little bit built on sand. Now, he has been able to give you right in the neighborhood of about a 250 batting average as he, Isaiah Kinner, Falafa, along Nate Low, all in that, I would say, about 245 to 255 batting average range. But then from there, Andy Ibanez, Jonah Heim, DJ Peters, Jose Trevino, Jason Martin, you're able to throw in there their new guy. Yoni Hernandez, all these guys hit at 231 or lower, and then you get into guys like Brock Holt, David Dahl. list goes on and on. They just have nobody that's getting on base for them. The Texas Rangers, ever since the All-Star break, averaging right around 2.3 to 2.4 runs per game. They have not exceeded five runs since I believe it was July 6th. That might need to be confirmed, but I mean it has been a very long time since the Rangers wound up busting out with the bats. It has been absolutely terrible for them. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side for the Oakland A's. This is a bunch of which they're coming off a very nice win against the San Diego Padres in dramatic fashion. You've got an Oakland A's team that they do have quite a few guys are able to get on base for you as you've got five different guys in the lineup consistently that give you at least a 360 on base. Josh Harrison, Tony Kemp, Mark Gannon, Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, and Matt Olsen. And with Olsen, he has been able to supply a 280 batting average with 28 home runs. The Marte Parte hitting for right around a 311 batting average. And you've got a lot of guys in this lineup that have between, I would say, about 11 to 15 home runs so far this year. Matt Chapman, Ramon Laureano, Seth Brown, Jed Lowry, Sean Murphy, Mark Canna, all these guys have been able to do a great job there. And with the Oakland A's, I do recognize that they've actually got a little bit of a lower ERA when they're on the road rather than at home, but got a lot of good, reliable arms in that bullpen. Andrew Chafin, Jake Deekman, Lou Trevino, even Sergio Romo. So the beginning of the month of June, a sub-2 ERA for him. And then the Texas Rangers, you don't have much right now. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Spencer Penn. He's come up from the minors, and he's been able to provide right around a 3 ERA, which is very solid for them. Brett Martin has been able to give you some good innings, but even he is starting to regress a little bit. You've got Joe Barlow, who's been a little bit of a nice surprise, but I just take a look at the Texas Rangers team. It's a sad excuse, and they're going up against an all-star starter in Chris Bassett, who in 137 innings has given up right around a home run for 9 innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do at home. 270 ERA, only a 4-3 record, but he's given up 0.9 home runs per 9 innings. Opponents are at 200 off of him. And he's squaring off against a guy Mike Mike Fultonavich, who literally has given up more home runs than walks. 28 walks and 111 innings is actually relatively solid, but 31 home runs! That is by far the most out there in the big leagues. I know that we were talking with Jason, the fact that he has been actually able to have some success against the Oakland Ais, but now he's in Oakland. At home, he's got right around 443 ERA. Not great, but at the very least respectable. On the road in 9 starts. 839 ERA and he has given up I wish I was kidding here. 18 home runs in 44 innings. And nine starts on the road. He's given up 18 home runs. He's giving up an average of two home runs per start on the road. An opponent starting at 312 off of him. Yep, this is a play on the Oakland A's run line. We are currently seeing that run line at a minus 120. I kid you not. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 150 in this spot. And I'm going to be taking this total over because I think that the Oakland A's have a chance to get there all by themselves. 975-976 on the banging board. The Chicago White Sox hit the road to face off against the Chicago Cubs. Kyle Hendricks is going to be going for the Cubs. And Lynn is going to be going for the Southsiders. White Sox are finding themselves as favorites. Anywhere between minus 145 and minus 151. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the Cubbies, anywhere between plus 125 and plus 139. Currently, we have no total up on this game since it is a game that is out there in Wrigley Field. A lot of books like to wait until the morning to be able to post this up due to the win. I set a total on this game, though. I set it at 9.2, so a 9 or lower. I'm going to be taking a look at the over 9.5 for higher. Going to be taking a look at the under. Many of you guys are probably wondering why. I'm currently seeing winds at Wrigley Field blowing out at about 12-ish miles per hour. Obviously, that's a little bit subject to change. If it winds up being a little bit less, I might wind up knocking this total down a little bit, but you take a look at Kyle Hendricks. He has been giving up a whole bunch of home runs out there in the National League. He is towards the top of the list with regards to home runs issued so far this year. With Hendricks, this is a gentleman that has won 128 in two-thirds innings, allowing 22 home runs, and he, for his career, has always had an ERA that's been north of a run better at home than he has been on the road. So far, it's been the opposite this year. On the road, seven and one record, three one three ERA at home, four thirty seven ERA, six and three record. Now at home, fourteen home runs given up in fifty nine and two thirds innings. On the road, eight bombs given up in sixty nine innings. So I think that that is very fascinating. Meanwhile, you take a look at Lance Lynn. Overall, a two oh seven ERA. He's not been giving up home runs pretty much anywhere. He's given up about .8 home runs per nine innings. Now on the road, he has been a little bit more shaky when it comes to the command. Right around four walks per nine innings, and opponents are hitting two thirty one off of him. But still, two sixty three ERA and seven road starts. He has been very good with that regard, and you take a look at the White Sox bullpen. It is fresh. It is certainly stockpiled because they wanted picking up Craig Kimbrel from those Cubs, along with Ryan Tepera. Two guys have been able to do a very good job. Jose Ruiz is right around 3-5-ish ERA. A little bit shaky there. And Barmer since coming off the injured list, has not necessarily been there, but you still have Liam Hendricks as well. Michael Kopech has been in a little bit of a slump, but I think that he's going to be a bust out of that, and you take a look at the Cubs. I mean, Rex Brothers has an ERA that is like 8 since the beginning of the month July. He has been absolutely terrible. Adam Morgan is someone that's providing right around 365 ERA, but Michael Rucker is being blasted. North of 12 ERA going into this game. And then you take a look at the Chicago White Sox. Eloy Jimenez has been in and out of the fold. He's been seen a little bit recently, which is very good. Jose Abreu is someone that ranks in the top five with regards to RBI with north of 80 of them. He is now 20 home runs, so he's been able to do a good job there. Tim Anderson, batting champ from 2019 is hitting a three hundred for this team. Got quite a few guys in between about a 250 to a 265. Andrew Vaughn Going Moncada along with Adam Engel and with Mr. Moncada right around a 370 on base. And we've got our guy, Sebi Zavala, who wound up having three home runs in a game last week as well. And then you take a look at the Chicago Cubs. A little bit of a rough lineup right now. Wilson Gutierrez has been able to do a good job of being a mainstay for the team as he is currently hitting only about a two thirty-three, but has been able to supply about 17 home runs so far this season. So that has been solved for the team. Rafael Ortega wound up having a three-home run game a couple days ago. That is something that is not typical. Hitting about a three twenty. so I give him a little bit of credit. Patrick Wisdom, guy that's giving you a home run every 11 at pass. He's hitting a two seventy. but Frank Schwindel, David Bode, you're throwing there, Sergio Alcantro, Robinson Chirinos. Got a lot of guys in this lineup up Ian Happ. You're able to throw in there Jason Hayward, hitting a 220 or lower for the team, which is not necessarily too terrific, and the Cubs have to go from Coors at elevation back down to just normal elevation, which that is always difficult. We notice that teams, when they wind up going from the road back home, they typically struggle, especially with the bats, so I take a look at that being a little bit of an aspect with this game, and I take a look at the White Sox. Wind up saying them as a minus 149 favorite, so I'm going to be taking them in some form or capacity. Right now, we don't have any run lines because we don't have any total. There's a chance I might wind up taking the White Sox if they are plus money, but in some form or fashion, going to be on the White Sox and most likely going to be in under, unless if we wind up seeing a little bit of something surprising. Because like I said, wind is going to be blowing out. Nine seventy seven, nine seventy eight on the main board. The Kansas City Royals set our face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Mike Miner hopes to not be a major disappointment for the Royals. Meanwhile, Adam Wainwright is going to be on the bump for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals, minus 144 favorites at the Westgate, which is the only place that has a number on this game. Plus 134 on the Royals. half is here total. Over is minus 120, and the under is even. With Mike Miner, it certainly has been trials and tribulations for him so far this year, but he's actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home. Their contact has been a little bit tough. Give it up right around 1.45 home runs per 9 innings. On the road, a 525 ERA. At home, a 537 ERA, so it's been a little bit brutal, and he's given up a Little bit more contact whenever he's been at home, but in both home and road environments between a two hundred forty eight and two fifty opponents batting average. And he's going up against a guy in wayno that has been absolutely magnificent all year long at home. This is a guy with a sub three ERA when he pitches at St. Louis, four ninety-three ERA when he's on the road in thirteen games in St. Louis so far this year. Nine home runs issued in 87 innings, so he's been able to do a good job there. A two ten opponent's batting average. You take a look at St. Louis, this is the team out there in the National League with the fewest runs per game ever since the beginning of the month of June. That's been a little bit tough and this is despite the fact that you've got quite a few guys doing a good job of being able to get on base for you. Edmondo Sosa, you're able to throw in there. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Yadier Molina, all guys sitting between I would say about a 250 to 266 for this bunch. Now. Paul Goldschmidt was white hot in the month of July. He had his most home runs of any month for the year. Hit a 323. You're in the month of August he has been sloping, but Arenado's been able to give you 20 home runs. Tyler O'Neal, he has been stuck on 17 for a very long time, but Harrison Bader hitting about a 285 for the team, but then you've got Matt Carpenter, Paul Young, along with the backup catcher in Andrew Kisner, who wound up playing for Molina yesterday, all in below the Mendoza line of 200 with the St. Louis Cardinals. Bullpen is starting to regress as well. Alex Reyes has been able to do it for the team all your long. Ryan Helsley, he's got about a 5-ish ERA. He's been a little bit better recently, but he's got his shakiness to him. Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, they've not necessarily been too terrific. Andrew Miller is at an advanced age. He's got right around 370 ERA. Justin Miller has been absolutely awful as well, but then you take a look at the flip side for the Kansas City Royals. Wade Davis is just a guy that should not be pitching at the big league level. Ryan Lovelady is someone I have zero faith in whatsoever. Now with the lineup of the Kansas City Royals, you do have Carlos Santana who's right around at a 350 on base, only hitting about a 230, but... You do have quite a few guys that have been able to do a good job of being able to get on base for you. You've got Ed Olivares, Andrew Benatendi, you're able to throw in there Whip Mirrorfield, Salvador Perez, Emmanuel Rivera, along with Anser Alberto. All these guys are pretty much hitting between a 260 to as high as a 278 in the case of Perez and with Perez, 27 home runs, 68 RBI. Nicky Lopez is hitting nearly a 280 for the team as well. Michael A. Taylor has been able to give you a little bit of power, so got a little bit of something there. If you're looking at more of the trustworthy guys, Josh J. Mount has been a little bit up and down, but he's got Barlow, Jake Brents, I've been able to give you a couple good innings with this team. I take a look at this spot, and I do think that Mike Miner is going to have his issues, to say the least. I want to him making this to where the Cardinals are about a minus 155-ish favorite, so we're going to be taking a shot on the Cardinals in some form or capacity. Also, I want him saying this all 8.3, so we are going to be diving under along with the Cardinals, and we're going to have things up with 979, 980 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers are going to be playing us to the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval is going to be going for the Halos. David Price is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers find themselves as big favorites. Anywhere between minus 182 and minus 206. Meanwhile, plus price here with the Angels. Anywhere between plus 167 and plus 186. Nine is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And the same goes for the under... With Sandoval, I was willing to take a shot on him if this wound up getting up to about a plus 190. We have not quite gotten there. David Price has been a little bit shaky as a starter. I believe that the Dodgers are 2-5 in his start so far this year, which has been a little bit unsightly, but you take a look at what David Price has been able to do in the city of LA so far this year, a 282 ERA. Now, are starting about a 3-1 off of him, but he's only given up two home runs and three walks over the course of 22 and two-thirds innings, and this is pretty much an opener plus situation, especially with him coming in for a long relief appearance. I believe it was on Sunday against the Arizona Diamondbacks, so you're probably going to be seeing a good helping of someone like Adarian Nunez. You're probably going to see Alex Vesia. Garrett Clevenger might wind up giving you a couple of innings of Phil Bickford, seemingly pitches every day for the LA Dodgers. So you've got that going on. And meanwhile, for the LA Angels, they come off of a series in which they wound up giving up four runs in their final three games against the Texas Rangers. I don't think that that's necessarily too sustainable. Now, with Patrick Sandoval, he's actually been able to do a good job of being able to hold down the four for this team. He has given up two runs or fewer, and now four out of his last five starts, he has given up a combined two home runs. In his last five starts, he wound up having that no-hit bid against the Minnesota Twins that wound up going into the ninth inning, so I am impressed there. He has been actually a little bit better on the road than he has been at home, 321 road ERA giving up three home runs over the course of 33 and two-thirds innings, and opponents are hitting a book 90 off of him, but he has not seen a lineup quite like the Dodgers, that is for sure. You've got Mookie Betts, who is back, and he is back in full force. 17 home runs, he's hitting a 275, and you just take a look at it. Betts, along with Max Muncy, Justin Turner down for what? Corey Seager, Will Smith, Chris Taylor, AJ Pollock. All have at least a 355 on base. Matt Beattie just misses out with a 352 on base. It is just absolutely amazing to see even one of your lesser guys like a Chris Taylor. 17 home runs so far this year. Justin Turner down for what? He has been able to leave the yard 20 times. Max Muncie north of 20 home runs. So that is very good for them. And for the LA Angels, this is an offense that's slumping a little bit. Joey Otani has just one home run in his last nine games. That has been a little bit tough for them. David Fletcher hitting right around a 300 for this team along with Max Sassy. So these guys have been nice. Enjoy that so it's getting called up. very small sample size, but he's hitting a 333 Brandon Marsh. He's a young guy that it hasn't necessarily gone well from. He, along with Jack Mayfield, had him eating, hitting a 216 or lower, but... Jose Glacius, thinking about a 270 for the team. Hard to trust in this Angels bullpen. They wound up having to go to Rocio Glacius to be able to close out the game yesterday. Junior Guerin, Steve check wound up getting used up yesterday. Mike Myers is someone that was very up and down for the team. He has not been seen in quite a while. Jose Quijada as north of an ADRA. They've been looking to Jose Kitana out of the bullpen. That has not necessarily been going too well for them, but they have been able to get a little bit of something out of their young guy in Austin Warren. So this is a situation in which if you're taking a look at the Dodgers run line, which I am, you're currently seeing that in the neighborhood of about a even money price seeing a little bit of plus money at some spots seeing a minus 105 in a few others with the Dodgers on the run line I was willing to lay up to about a minus 115 in the spot so I'm going to be taking that also set this all at 9.1 I do think that regression is going to be coming in for Patrick Sandoval I think that the Dodgers are going to hit him and hit hard so going with the Dodgers run line along with this total over and that'll wrap things up for the baseball betting podcast on this Friday a big thanks to Jason Radowitz of SBR aka Sportsbook Review for joining me in the last segment if you like hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. You're able to subscribe wherever you your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you, for this podcast, one of two ways we for this. in First one is my Twitter timeline, at Jaren's One. Keep in mind the letters V.M. They does not matter, so as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much. Appreciate them from there. You're able to send in whatever you'd like to hear on the podcast in the comment section there. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, giving you guys picks and analysis and I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.